The epistle for this second Sunday in Advent is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Brethren, what things soever were written were written for our learning, that through patience and the comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. Now the God of patience and of comfort grant you to be of one mind towards one another, according to Jesus Christ, that with one mind and with one mouth you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive one another, as Christ also has received you, unto the honor of God. For I say that Christ Jesus was minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, but that the Gentiles are to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore will I confess to thee, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and will sing to thy name. And again he says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and magnify him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise up to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope and in the power of the Holy Ghost. Please stand for the gospel. The Gospel is taken from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew. At that time when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, sending two of his disciples, he said to him, Are you he that are the one who is to come, or do we look for another? Jesus, making answer, said to them, Go and relate to John what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, The dead rise again, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he that shall not be scandalized in me. And when they went their way, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Or what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Behold, those that are clothed in soft garments are in the houses of kings. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my angel before thy face, who shall prepare thy way before thee. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, when God in all of his wisdom was planning throughout all of eternity that he would make human beings and and how he would make human beings. He decided that among the characteristics which he would bestow upon us, he would give us a love of secrets and surprises. This love that he would give to us of what is hidden and unexpected was not an end in itself. He didn't give us a love of secrets and surprises for their own sake. He gave them to us, this love to us, as a means for something else. God wanted to have a way to give us joy. He wanted to have a ready means to delight us. We all know that little children, they have a special tickle spot. If you tickle them in the night spot, they they just start laughing uncontrollably. It's like God gave us a special spot in our soul, such that when that spot is is touched, we are filled with joy. 
And that's, that's the area in our, of our soul for secrets and surprises. And after deciding to make us that way, God proceeded to create a universe that's full of, of discoverable secrets. And there's enough secrets in the universe um, to last until the end of the world. Enough secrets to delight human beings uh, for all time, those human beings who are able to discover those secrets. We can think about the inventor of the telescope looking into the night sky for the first time with the glass that, that he had invented and discovering that beyond the stars that can be seen with the naked eye, there's, there's another world of stars and, and galaxies out there. We can think of those Spanish explorers who were in Arizona in 1540 and were being led by the Hopi Indians further northward. And all of a sudden, they come upon the Grand Canyon, They're just astonished at this um, incredible wonder of nature. We can think about the first users of, of the microscope when they just took a single drop of water and, and peered into it and found there that the, the drop of water was teeming with life, um, uh, life that, that had never been seen before by human beings. And then there's just so many delightful wonders out there that have been discovered and are yet to be discovered. And you can say they're secrets purposely placed in the world by God for us to find because he likes to give us joy. And perhaps this is one of the reasons why God himself was so secretive when he came to earth on Christmas Day. Never was someone so anticipated to come and yet so missed when he came. It was like God was playing a game of hide-and-seek. He was hiding in a cave so that those who found him could be delighted. And when you see the, the paintings or the depictions of of the shepherds going to, to the cave in Bethlehem. They're always shown with sort of their, their hands up and this incredible look upon their face of, of wonder and surprise it shows them delighted and full of joy. You might be thinking to yourself, I think Father is confused because it seems like he's given a Christmas sermon when it's still Advent, we still... Still have 19 days to go before we get to Christmas. Doesn't he realize that? Well, I mean, it's very true that this is sounding a lot like a Christmas sermon, but all that I've been saying about secrets and surprises is meant to be an introduction to talk to you about a saint who is closely associated with Christmas because he was a secret giver of gifts. St. Nicholas or as the Dutch call him, Santa Claus. We can think, St. Paul, that we even had a St. Nicholas because it's recorded in the Acts of the Apostles how during St. Paul's third missionary journey, he stopped in a place called Patara in the province of Lycia in Asia Minor. It's close to the island of Rhodes. And about 150 years after St. Paul founded a Christian community there, there lived a couple uh, by the names of Epiphanius and Joanna. And this couple was, was descendants of those 
first Christians who were evangelized in Patara by St. Paul. And the couple, they were unable to have children, but they kept praying to God that they might have a child. And they they promised God that if they were able to have a child, um, they would dedicate him or her to the service of God. And um, as the story goes, you know, they, they prayed for 30 years. And it wasn't until after 30 years of praying that God decided to grant the request and give them a child, a boy, whom they named Nicholas. At the time, Nicholas was, was a popular name. We find the name Nicholas once um, in the New Testament. Unfortunately, that Nicholas wasn't the best example of how to behave, but Nicholas was a common name. So the, this holy couple, they fulfilled their promise to God, and then when Nicholas grew up, he became a priest. And it seems like Nicholas's habit of giving gifts started early on, for when his parents died, and they must have died soon, because if they'd been praying for him for 30 years, uh, probably pretty old when, when Nicholas came along. Um, but when his parents died, Nicholas gave his entire inheritance to the poor. But the main reason why he is associated with secret gift-giving is for the time that he helped out three girls who were in a state of distress. Nicholas heard of a devout man in the town where he was bishop, and he heard that this devout man had three daughters, and at the same time, while he'd once been wealthy, he was now impoverished. He had no money. And at the time, I mean, parents uh, in providing for their, for their daughters, they, if the daughters were to get married, they had to, to pay a large dowry. They had to supply a lot of money um, for the children to, to get wedded to, to someone else. And if, if they didn't do that, um, if they didn't provide a way for their daughters to get married, they, they would have no way to support them. And it's, as I say, because this poor man was, was impoverished, um, they did not have much resources, um, and it, it looked like you know he was going to have no way to support his daughters. And they were in a situation where practically the only way to support themselves would by, be by living a life of ill repute. That they would have to, um, they they might have to, uh, or be in a situation where they they would have to sell themselves in order to, to sustain themselves. So St. Nicholas, when, when he heard of the girl's plight, he decided to help them, but, but he, he was too modest to help the family in public. He didn't want to be ostentatious in his giving, his supporting this family. And he also didn't want to embarrass the family, um, whereas some people are, you know, would be humiliated in receiving charity. Um, someone stepping forward to give them money. So what he did is, is he went to the house under the cover of night, in the, in the middle of the night, and he took a, a bag of gold coins and he just threw it through through the window. And when they woke up in the morning, they found these, these gold coins that were there, and the father did the right thing. He immediately arranged for his oldest daughter uh, to be married. And after that took place, uh, St. Nicholas repeated this, this act of charity. He threw another uh, bag of, of gold coins in the house, and then the second daughter got married. So there was only one daughter left to, to assist. 
And what the father did, the father was, was beginning to see a pattern, and, and so he, he waited up two nights in a row. And finally, he, he caught St. Nicholas. He, he suspected that St. Nicholas, or whoever it was, would, would do this a third time. And sure enough, uh, St. Nicholas comes along and he catches him. The father catches him in the act of, of giving another bag of gold coins. And the father fell on his knees when he saw who it was and, and thanked St. Nicholas. But St. Nicholas told him, be sure not to tell anyone about the gifts that he had given, these, these secret money that he had given. So my dear Fifa, at Christmas time, we commemorate above all that great and secret gift that God gave to us, his own son, hidden away in a manger at Bethlehem. And we commemorate this by by buying things for one another. We, we hide our, our gifts in boxes and we, we wrap them up in, in paper and we, we stick them um, under the Christmas tree and we say, you know, they can't be opened until Christmas Day. And by doing that, we sort of imitate the charity of God for us, um, not just by giving gifts, but also by giving them in the same way that, that God gave them. We want to give them in a way that is secret, so that we can delight, we can give delight and joy to those whom we're giving the gifts to. Um, this is why St. Nicholas is such a good patron saint for our preparation for Christmas. He was an expert at, at giving secret gifts. Um, he didn't slide down chimneys to give them or, or hide gifts and stockings or anything like that, say ho, 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 or whatever. But, but he did give gifts in the middle of the night to those who are least expecting them. So this Saturday, our young people are going to be giving gifts to, to the poor and the homeless uh, in the spirit of St. Nicholas. Most of you are, are likely to do a fair bit of Christmas shopping in the next few weeks to, to get gifts for, for your loved ones and, and your friends. Um, and I, I just want to emphasize that the most important gift that we prepare is the one for our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Um, that we prepare by our Advent practices. Um, we, we want this gift, these gifts that we prepare for the Christ child to present to him on Christmas Day. We want them also to be secret. Um, so hopefully we're performing some extra prayers during this time. Hopefully we're, we're doing some extra penances that are known only to us and to God. But whatever gifts we are preparing at this time, let us give all of them with that supernatural spirit, uh, remembering that, that all of our gift-giving ultimately has its origin in the love of God for us. This desire that God has to give delight to our hearts. And if we give our gifts in this spirit, in this imitation of the love of God, uh, I think we will truly delight in the purest transports of Christmas joy when the feast day comes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.